You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to this week's episode of Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Herd is hosted by me, Joe Hakeem, and I'm joined by Nick Britsky of Nick Drinks, Jason Leinert of the Detroit Optimist Society, and Vato of the Hungry Dudes. We are joined each episode by workers, leaders, and analysts of the hospitality industry. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or however you listen to your podcast. If you like or dislike what you hear, write a review. We love hearing from our listeners. You can visit Herd at HerdPodcast.com, follow Herd on Twitter and Instagram at HerdPodcast, and like Herd Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and now here's this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem. Nick is in the studio. Hello. Adjunct member. Adjunct member. The occasional assistant poppin, professor. Assistant professor. Yeah. Tonight, we're joined by the 2017 Hash Detroit winners of a $50,000 small business grant. One of the owners of Baobab Fair, Mamba Hamisi. Mamba, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you, and um, I, I want to start with this stunning dish that you brought with you. Um, so I, I was eating it before the as the theme song was playing, and it, it's it's absolutely wonderful. So can you kind of explain um, wh- what it is you brought with you? So here we have uh, uh, potato and uh, green peas, uh, carrots. We have inside uh, uh, green pepper. So this is a typical like Burundian dish. It's a uh, very very affordable. It's something people eat every day, especially in this moment because uh, because uh, people are you know peas. Is, this is a season for growing peas. So this is where everywhere people are eating, and especially for us, we are fasting for Ramadan. This is very good for for when you are fasting. So it's a very very typical dish. We call it uh, ugishaza. Ogeshaza. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's the, like mom's, mom's dish. So, you know, different uh, women, they have different way to cook it, but this is typical how my mom uh, make it. Yeah. It, it, it's absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. It, it's, it's, um, it's very unique. Something I've never had anything like that around, around Metro Detroit. Thank before. you. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you own Bob Bob Fair. Uh, with your wife, Nadia. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and you guys are Burundian refugees. Yeah. And you fled to Detroit. So we fled to. So Nadia came in the United States in 2013. Okay. And uh, she flew from Burundi to Detroit uh-huh. straight because at that time my sister she used to live in Grand Rapids. Okay. And she was about to move down in Texas, and she couldn't stay with her, and this is how she ended up and sending her to Freedom House, Detroit. And so after getting there, after a couple of weeks, she found out she was pregnant. And after three months, she found she was pregnant with twins. Wow. wow. So that is how the story started. This is how we, 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 we end up in Detroit. So I was not there at that time. Uh, I tried to come to the United States to be reunited with my family. But uh-huh. unfortunately, I got denied visa two times. So the first time I was hoping to see my kids you know, when they are born. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, I couldn't. And the second time was, I was like, okay, maybe let me try to see if I can celebrate the first year with them, first anniversary. Unfortunately, no, I couldn't. So I saw them for the first time. They were two years old. Wow. Yeah, so it was a, was a long journey as a parent, yeah. Sure. And so, it, it Burundi? Burundi. Burundi. Yeah. Uh, so that is just uh, west, kind of the east. eastern side, little little in inland, central central east, small. Yeah, very small, almost ten million of population. And what was happening that um that made you want to leave? That made you that encouraged so, you to leave? Yeah, so we have like uh, Nadish was a human rights activist, so she was in trouble with uh, mm. everybody over there. And then not only that, we are in 
we have like a crisis since 1993. So the region, or the region has a problem. Like if you see the east of Congo, Rwanda, mm-hmm. Burundi. So it's, it's, it's a, we have like Tutsi and Hutu. And if you know the story, say like 1984, Rwanda, Tutsi been killed mm-hmm. in six months, almost a million of Tutsi. Wow. So that is what's happening every time. So it's, and then what was going on in Burundi in, 19, in 2015 when I was coming, so the president wanted to, didn't want to leave, mm. wanted to seek the third time, and everybody was like, no, you cannot. So everybody who was against that was either killed or put in jail. So most of the people there was, you cannot stay. That is how many people were sure. floating the, the country. Yeah. So the denial of the visa, do you, are you given a reason for its denial? No. No, it's just say you, you are not eligible to go to United States. That's it. So, okay, but you're here now, so something changed. Did they tell you what changed? Or no. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. So I, I, I tried, I mean, I tried for the third time. Uh-huh. I think they, they, they felt like I'm, I'm not going to give up. I went to for the third time and then I say, I'm, I'm going, I want to go to the United States. And they was like, you have ever been here before? I say, yes, two times already. And then I got a visa. So hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe they say, I don't know. It's, it, 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 it's such a strange, arbitrary kind of response mm-hmm. is what it seems like. And I'm sure it felt that way to true, you. True, true. Because, you know, and I'm, that sometimes make me nervous because uh, you feel like you don't uh, have the right answer when you don't. You, you ask you. You ask them. Some people, even everybody, ask why you don't. Why, why I'm not eligible? They say because you. No, you not. You have paper. Go read it. But in the paper they give you, it, there is nothing. You like explain what mm-hmm. why they don't give you. They don't, they go, you go denied a visa. You know what I'm saying? Like, my passports, I've been in Europe, I've been in Middle East, and I, I couldn't understand, like, how I can get, get denied a visa, you know? But this is how Africa was educated by colonialism. So it's like, people don't, uh, or as an explanation on anything. It's just no and no. I don't know if you understand. No, yeah, no, I totally so, get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no, and that's it. That's like, it. Like, like, you we already need, said no. You don't, right, yeah. you don't yeah. need to know why. Yeah. Exactly, you don't need to know why. And then, because this is how we are, this is how we've grown up, this is how we've been raised. We are fine with that no, you know. You have to find out how you're going to move forward with the no. So, but... Once you get in the United States, when you see like, hey, you can say no, and then you can ask why, this is how you start turning your mind and say, okay, I was then right to ask, say why? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is how we've been educated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you you first applied, when you first applied in what year? Uh, I first applied in 2013. 13. And 13. it was finally accepted? No. It was not. Uh, no, no. It was accepted in what year? So you're uh, thir- fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Okay. So, so thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. Okay. So th- there's a sense that I mean, and that, that was under a different administration altogether too. So the current administration, presidential administration, mm-hmm. we talk about. Um, there, there is this kind of. I want. I'll go as far as saying like almost a demonization of of, of refugees. Right. There's this sense that um, they're all, quote unquote, all dangerous mm-hmm. um when in fact as a refugee and you can probably speak to this is like you're fleeing something much more dangerous than you're you're capable of as a human being so i want to explain something which is a very uh, you cannot understand when you didn't went through that situation if you leave your country your home your everything and then you're going somewhere you don't know you don't know anybody so I think people have to think twice when they're taking decision. Lawmaker, I'm talking about when they're talking about decision about refugees or anybody who's leaving 
where you used to live and then go somewhere without nothing. That is like killing yourself because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So why people are taking that decision? Because they don't have hope where they are. That is very important. And then another thing is like, in the United States, back home in Africa is like, the United States, they are very good in marketing because they are selling the United States like it's the best place to be, freedom, everything is fine. So everybody we have, like, we have to go. If we have to flee the country, we have to go to the United States. And then once you get here, there is a big contradiction what they have been told you before. before because this is what's happening now when they're selling, we don't need any more refugees. So if the United States don't, don't, don't need the refugees, where are refugees going to go? So the powerful country in the world don't need this, don't want to take the responsibility and to solve out the problem. Who going to take this responsibility? So that is a big question. Yeah. And, and I mean, they, it's gone as far as like, you know, not to bring up this quote. I mean, this quote was, you know, from the president himself is like shithole countries. Right. And, and this is something that I mean, I can't imagine how much that hurt anyone who has come to this country. And you hear this, per, you know, you hear him say, you know, why, why, why are they coming from these shithole countries? When in fact, like what you just said about hope, if the United States is a beacon of hope and we have this leader who is, you know, speaking outwardly against that hope for these, for anyone who's trying to flee here, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's tremendously upsetting. Absolutely, because, you know, uh, my experience when I came in there, here, I was, I have a degree in business administration, but I couldn't get a job. When I came here, I couldn't speak the language. I just learned in nine months. And in my mind, I was like, if I was able to learn the language in nine months, I can learn any, any job, you know. I was looking something in a cell, just selling in a shop or selling somewhere, mm-hmm. but nobody wanted to hire me or being in front of this nobody wanted to hire me because mm-hmm. your accent you know your your degrees from Burundi and then after that you had someone who said like these people from the shit hole so are they you're asking yourself am I a human being or am I mm-hmm. something I don't know how can I call myself so and then that, that is where your dream can get stuck because you cannot get dream if you don't have anybody who's trying to lift you. If somebody's trying to put you down, sometimes you feel like I, at one time I was doubting about my ability. Like, am I going to make it? You know, like who going to trust me? So that is a big issue. And, and I have to bring up, so you said you learned the English language in nine months, which is yeah. incredible. But you also told me that English was your fifth language. Yeah, <laughs> my fifth language. Oh, okay, so I want to, I want to, I want to stop for a second and, and kind of look, see the kind of ridiculousness of someone telling you you can't have a job. You have you have a, a degree in business administration. Mm-hmm. You know five languages when the average American knows one half, half of one. <laughs> um, and, and so, um, education is not the issue. Right. It's not. There's no part of me and no part of you. You know how educated you are. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the value in Africa is different. So I had this discussion this morning with my friend. He's a DACA recipient and uh, he's from, uh, he was born in Mexico. And we were discussing about how, like, every, like in a food industry, you have a formula, like one plus one is two. I'm getting nervous of these things. I can make this dish mm-hmm. in my way. You can make this dish in your way because you get a chance. You had a chance to go to school. I didn't have a chance to go to school, but I got this recipe from my mom. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it. My mom that have never been at school. So people try to like make everything like a formula. And then the thing that that formula can work with everybody. No. So education in Africa is very expensive. It's, it's to go to school is something special. I'm so grateful my mom and my family sent me, I, you know, they, they took, I mean, they saw everything they had to send me to school. That is a huge opportunity. You know, it's not something you get everywhere. Even 
elementary, high school, up to uh, college. But here it's free up to high school. Yeah, high school. Mm-hmm. But in Africa it's different. And then the education is two things. So and then you have more people. A lot of people who are smart. They have never been school because they didn't get a chance to have parents who are able to pay school fees for them to go to school. Mm-hmm. So are you going to qualify those people like uneducated? No. So the education for us is from your parents. It's not from school. That's a two different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you try like to, to, to make people understanding, like I can make the same thing. I can use the same formula. And then you're going to use the book. I'm going to use the knowledge I had from my great, great, great grandparents. So that is what people like. I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to make them understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this gets to a larger point of th- this idea of um, cultural appropriation mm-hmm. that occurs where um, uh, someone can go to a country. Mm-hmm. Uh, on vacation even an extreme example um come back and say oh well, i have the means to do so i'm just going to open a restaurant because i like this food that i had two weeks ago in this other country that um you know a- a- without any real knowledge a, cul- a real sense of culture yeah any sense of um belonging or roots um there, there's a way to approach it but i feel like Certain certain examples, like you talk about the there was the Chinese restaurant that talked about like clean Chinese food. Was that in New York? Oh yeah, New York. Yeah, and it was a white person that yep. was trying to say, "Hey, we're making this better yep. than the average food." I, I, I mean, unless you've kind of grown up with it, I feel like you can never be like authentic. You can certainly do a version of it, but I think you have to be truthful to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing a fusion, or you're doing, you know, you're combining, or you're, you're taking maybe the best of everything that you like and putting it together. Um, but I feel like it's it's like authenticity. It's like mm-hmm. saying like you you do what you know, and be truthful about it. Yep. So what what you what you talking about like authenticity? And uh, we have uh, uh, our friends uh, Devery from the Brooklyn Street Logo. She's uh, she's our mentor. Like me and Nadia to help us and to educate how we can start the business in the United States because it's, it's different. I grown up in a restaurant business and my my family owned a restaurant, but. It's totally different. Some of everything we're making, you make it everything that day. You cannot serve them next day. Mm-hmm. But here is different. You they they make prep, pre prep, preheat. You know, it's a process. So we 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 had a very like a struggle to understand that. Like, for example, this food, this uh, mm-hmm. dish. We don't have fridge refrigeration mm-hmm. in Africa, you know. The way you can make it, you have to cool down, and then you have to put somewhere. Maybe tomorrow you have to recook, but it has to be only once. Next day it's over. Why? Now is it because you detect a flavor, or is it just because you didn't have the tools, or be- because you know? First is there is a lot of things going on. You don't have that much money to mm-hmm. buy that much food. Mm-hmm. You can eat for a week. Yep. Another thing, you don't have h- how to, I mean, the, you don't have fridge, mm-hmm. how to put them, you know. Another thing is the flavor is very, very important. Mm-hmm. All the things, so you have to combine everything. For example, I, w- I have this talk about um, halal meat. And then people's like, why do you have halal meat? I say, because halal meat, the taste is different mm-hmm. with the other meat. If you take the same part of meat, which is halal, and then the pasmas is you cook it, it's different. And then Burundi is, I think, 2% Muslim, but everybody eats halal. Hmm. So, and then I was like, why? Because even the way you make it, hmm. it can take longer than other meat. So, you know, those are the things you, you, you have to know to understand and why I'm going to eat this food, because I know that is following the authenticity of the culture. Sure. Yeah. And so growing up in Metro Detroit, where there is a, a lot of uh, Middle Eastern and um, Muslim and halal, uh, I always assumed halal was similar to kosher, where it was more of just kind of a, don't yell at me if you're, you know, if you're Jewish, but kind of a window dressing. 
you know, it was a little bit like it was blessed. It was done in a proper environment, but there really wasn't a ton of kind of prep. Are, you're saying that Hallel has a lot more. Are they different animals? Are they? Is it a different um, process in producing it? Mm-hmm. That's this is my like naivete of not knowing that. Yeah, true. Because the thing is like, don't kill the animal when it's stressed. Okay. Because if you kill the animal when the cow is stressed and then you kill it, the meat's gonna be affected. The taste of the meat's gonna mm-hmm. be affected. That's true. And so you have to make sure that you're not killing the animal when it's humane, very humane. Exactly. Yeah. And then that is one. Another thing have to be clean because the blood have to come out. Okay. The bacteria and the disease and everything is in the blood. If the blood doesn't want, you don't need the blood to stay in the, um, uh, in the meat. Mm-hmm. So have to come out. So that is have to be clean. Okay. And you cannot just eat the animal if the animal that just dead. No, you cannot. Mm-hmm. So it's clean. Being clean, the taste, okay. all those things going. I have a friend from Argentina. He was telling me that he lives in France and then he was eating halal meat every day. He has one butchery and he was going. I was like, why? He told me like in Argentina, they have the way they cut the meat. Mm-hmm. The taste, he couldn't find that taste in France. The only way he got it. He finding that the halal meat. I was like, okay, maybe there is, you know, it's. I think it's all. It's all about culture. Yeah. And, yeah. Hmm. I must want to do an experiment now to kind of test the two different, kind of like a more traditional butcher versus a halal butcher. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the main things is that. Uh, I, I mean, I think what you're getting towards is like if you go to farm field table, for example, like they're they're of a high quality. Mm-hmm meat right and and they take the care to, to take care of the animal and make sure that the the slaughter happens on on the best of terms but like a sunoco steak might not have that same right yeah. or like kroger or yeah. something like that um th- there, there's a vast difference and then the um the halal butchers that you see that you go to in dearborn like they're they're of another quality sure. as well like um barry and sons for example mm-hmm. out of eastern market and out of dearborn like they have very high quality they have a certain level that they're trying to attain, which is what yeah. you're referring to, what yeah. Mamba's referring to here. Um, okay, so you you come up with the idea of a restaurant. Was that in response to the kind of difficulty of finding a job that – or is it just like I'm going to create my own job? Is that the, the ultimate – Absolutely, kind of, yeah, yeah okay. because uh, I stay home for a year and I took care of my kids and by, I was waiting for a work authorization – and once I got a, a work authorization, I start applying on the job, different job. I couldn't get a job, and I end up in a factory working. Nine, I was paid nine dollars, twelve hours, and I found no, I cannot stay in this situation. That was hard for me. So the only way to get out of that situation was either to go to, back to school to get equivalent of my degree, or to create a job. Mm-hmm. But before that, I was. Uh, um, I had a chance to attend on uh, training with Prosperous Detroit mm-hmm. at Freedom House. They have a training every year at Prosperous Detroit, uh, Prosperous Detroit at Freedom House. So, how do you can create a business entrepreneurial program? Mm-hmm. In how you can create a business in the United States? So, I had this in my mind. So that's what was in my like. And then another big issue at that time, Donald Trump was about to be president. Was in a campaign. We didn't have asylum, me and Nadia, our kids, our citizen. So that means they're going to separate them. Sorry, they're going to separate us. Yeah. <clears throat> the kids want to stay here. They're going to kick us out. That was the slogan. Like everybody has to go, like kick them out, let mm-hmm. them go. Mm-hmm. And we went to see our lawyer and then told uh, them about the situation after when Donald Trump became a president. That is 2017. Mm-hmm. And they say, no, that was January around and say, no, it's too early now. It's just become president. So wait up to April. We're going to see how he's going to do what, what, what he's going to do. And then we're going to decide from there and then say, okay. Fortunately, in April, we had a interview. We had a asylum interview. And then after one month, we had asylum. And then we said, now we can stay in here. So that means we can. The easiest way to have is to have the business. What kind of business? I grown up in a, I mean, as I say, I grown up, my, my family owned a restaurant. Nadia, she's an amazing cooker. 
And uh, we was like, why not? We don't have African, East African food you know, from our region, Swahili, because we are in the Swahili region. We mm -hmm. don't have Swahili region food here. Why not? Why not try it? And then I was like, okay, let's work hard. So we're going to save some money. And then one day we're going to come back to Prosperous to say, hey, we have this money. We need the loan. We can have a business. Mm -hmm. That's what was an idea. So then after summer 2017, this is how uh, they came out like, hey, Mamba Prosperous called me. Hey, Mamba, there is this contest called Hash Detroit. Are you willing to, to apply? And to? I say, yes, of course. <laughs> The idea is a business. Okay, is this? I want to have African East African restaurant, and it's like okay, good. I didn't have anything business plan. Just idea. I have. I want to have a business. That's it. But if you think of that right there, that right there is just such a great elevator pitch, because there isn't a right. lot. I mean, there are a couple, but there's not yeah, a lot. Exactly. And then for me, I didn't want to do something. As as uh, Joe was saying, I didn't want to do something small. I, I wanted to be, I say, okay, if I want to do something, I want to do, be in Detroit, in central, not around. I want to be where everybody is. Mm -hmm. If they can make it, why not me? That was the idea. But I thought like the 50K going to make, oh, that's idea, as I was saying. Oh, yeah. And um, I came out, I came, I came home with the idea and then talked to Nadia, hey, I want to apply on this business. At that time, I was working at uh, Trinity. I was, I mean, in transportation. I was mm -hmm. driving um, people at uh, Trinity. I was a driver. I was working night shift. And then she told me, "You are sick. You are you are tired. Go sleep. <laughs> 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 you are crazy. You cannot make it." And I was like, and then she she asked me like, "Who's who's in that who's who's in that uh, contest?" I said like, "All oh, small businesses. Are they?" American citizen or refugee mm -hmm. or I say everyone, you know, everyone who feel like he can. I say, no, you don't have a chance. No. But me, myself, I believed myself. I say, let me make it. So we try and then after we, we, we were selected in 25, I think. Um, after 25, you have to bring dishes and samples. You leave it there and then you go after that. I went home, I say, hey, you know what? You, I want you to help me to cook what I'm going to bring. She was like, okay, let me just give you, you know, I know that you're not going <laughs> to win, but don't say that tomorrow that I didn't win because, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay. But at that time, I felt like I started doubting on me. Like, is it because she's, uh, she's, she's my partner. She's my, my support. And then we make every decision together. But at that one, she was like, no. She came, remember that she came in this country alone. She had two girls, twins girls in a shelter without any support. And she'd been waiting for getting asylum for almost three years and a half, almost four years. She didn't have any like confidence. Yeah. I say, I totally understand you, but let's make it. It's today or never. So you have to make it now. So after that, she caught like, and then she didn't even ask me after dropping the food, hey, how was it? I was like, you didn't even ask me. <laughs> Say, I know that we are wasting your time. <laughs> after one week, they called me, hey, Mamba, you just been selected to 10 semifinalists. Mm -hmm. She was there. She's like, what? She was like, yeah. <laughs> but, <coughs> excuse me. After that, she was very, very involved. Mm -hmm. So she took everything. She said, okay, we're going to make it. That was a critical moment because yeah. we were seeking votes from, I mean, people. And then nobody knew about us at that time. Mm -hmm. We was out of social media for almost four years because our status doesn't allow us to be on social media. Oh. Yeah. Hmm, because interesting. They can, we can be tracked where we are mm, from back wow. Yeah. Okay. So we were oh, outside. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. So we were outside of social media for four, almost four years. And... We didn't even we didn't have anybody who can vote for who can vote for us. This is how we came out with the idea. Say, hey, why not try a pop up mm -hmm. at the Brooklyn Street local? So people wanna come there, and then we're gonna tell them what's going on. Like we want them to vote for us. We cooked on our apartment, and then we cooked a lot of food, and then we brought us a thirty minute 
the cook was over. We sold out. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people was outside waiting for the food. They didn't get a food. Wow. Everybody was excited. Like, guys, we're going to say the only thing we want you guys to do just for vote for us. After that, people, everyone was voting, voting, voting. This is how we went to the final. In the final, so we were four, and you have judges and the audience. All the four, three finalists, except me, they have already started the business. They have business plan. Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. locations. They have, they have everything, you know. For me, I just had an idea. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then there was one question they asked me, like, where do you going to find the money? Because the 50K is not enough. I was like, I believe in people who's here in this audience because this, happen- this idea has to happen. Because we have to change things. I'm not talking about a refugee only. I'm talking about a black man who's coming in this country without speaking the language and then who's finding many people in this country who doesn't have hope. I wanted to motivate those people. I want to show them that it's possible. When I started this project, when I started this, I couldn't have any role model from my where I came from who have done something. I want to be that. I want to be like, I want to be, one day people can say, um, youth can say, I want to be like Mamba or Nadia. I want to open a rest. I want to, that is what I wanted to do. And then everybody was like, yes. After that, that is how we won the 50K. Yeah. But that is where the challenges, that changed our life. But that is where the challenges started because we didn't know anything about anything about the food industry. I took a decision. I quit my job. And then I, stay focused on the business. Now that she's still working as a caregiver, so we have only one uh, uh, mm. revenue, mm. but uh, income, we have only one income, but I'm focused on what we are doing now, which I, is a very, was a tough decision to take as having two kids because we didn't want to our kids to feel like they're missing th- something. But we say, okay, we have to take this decision. Right. You know, yeah. I think one of the interesting things here is that so you won this fifty thousand dollar grant and you said, and you made a mention of it earlier that you know it's not a lot of money, um, and there's a sense that I think that once that fifty thousand dollars hits you, you're like you're you've won, right? Mm-hmm. That's when the real work starts because now there's an expectation on your shoulders too from the public yeah. and from even I think probably the Hatch Detroit. Uh, the people that kind of decided is it Comerica? Mm-hmm. Comerica. Comerica. Okay. Yeah. Um, and um, so th- this $50,000 comes with strings, I imagine, right? So y- you have to open your business yeah. at some point. Yeah. You have to open the business, otherwise, you have to give them back. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, that was a huge challenge because uh, first, we didn't know anything. So we start. We started now after the winning. We started from zero. Like we have to set up step by step, and then get at the point. Fortunately, after that, we won the Motor City match for TK. Okay. And then we won the uh, Michigan Good Food 10K. So we have almost 110. We secure 110. Mm-hmm. But that isn't. That is not an. <laughs> Quite, but it, it's still not enough. Is it still not enough? No, I, I know. Don't I, forget that I'm from Africa. Everybody now know that I, I won the fifty k. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so I want to I want to make that point too. So fifty k back home it, it equals what? I mean, fifty k back home equals a building on Woodward and Greece Run Boulevard. Okay, that's a lot. Okay. So, so I mean, Cash. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, so, but now you, now you're looking at, you have 110,000. Yeah. Um, two buildings. Uh, right. Two buildings. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 110,000 is still a drop in the bucket to what it, for what it costs to, to, especially if you're building out a restaurant from scratch, which I believe you are. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. Because we are, our budget is 460. Yeah. Yeah. For almost half a million. Half a million. Yeah. And uh, we Which isn't uh, that crazy. I mean, that's uh, restaurants aren't cheap. No. For me, it's crazy. <laughs> understood. Yes. Understood. For me, it's yes. like, what is this? Right. You know, yeah. I was shocked with that numbers. Like, yeah. what are, is this? But no, it's fine because, 
And then the grants we 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 collected, the grant we we won, allows us to sit down on table with lenders and say, hey, we have this much money, so we need some money from you guys. Mm-hmm. So we are mm-hmm. we expecting to get uh, if everything goes well, very soon our uh, loan from the De- Detroit Development Fund and Invest Detroit, uh, almost uh, three hundred. But me, I thought me for me, I thought like it's gonna be easy with fifty k. I'm gonna open right away, <laughs> you know, like yeah. tomorrow I'm gonna open. Uh-huh. And I was like, hmm, disappointing. But yeah. I had the responsibility, not only me and people who've been supporting us. I have to, even Heart Detroit, the support was huge. Uh, Freedom House, many people there, they're like looking for us. Uh, Prosperous, they've been helping a lot. So we don't want to disappoint, even people in Detroit, we don't want to disappoint. They want us to open. We don't want to disappoint. We have to do something. We have to open something. And then I was like, Let's make some. Let's do something, which can be competitive. Like we can compete with others. We can show like a refugee in a short time can make this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what was my motivation. Yeah. So you keep mentioning Freedom House and uh, Prosperous. Let, let's talk about them for a second because I think that they're impo- bo- both very important groups. So what does Freedom House do particularly? So Freedom House is a house is a shelter where all I mean immigrants, refugees from all over the country they came to seek asylum in the United States. They get a shelter, legal support, uh, food, everything, clothes, up to the time you get your mm-hmm. your work authorization, and then they help you with a. Uh, some if they have funds, of course, they help you to get a house. They can pay for you six months or a year, and then you start your new life. So they kind of accompany you in the new life, and it's, it's an amazing. You know that is where my kids was born. That is for for us is everything, and uh, so Prosperous is the one. I met Prosperous guy. I mean, my my a guy is a friend of mine, Matthew Baham, for the first time. I couldn't even speak the language. He was like, I'm going to help you. I, th- I feel like you're a businessman. And then since then, everything, like, they give us uh, all the tools we need to start, I mean, when we were in the con- contest to win the Hatch Detroit because we didn't have anything. They create, right away, they create a website, social media, all those things, we didn't have it. Legal support too. So they are very, very important in our, our journey. Yeah. Uh, so with, back to Freedom House, is that something you have to apply to, or is it is no, it a no, place no. you can just go? Everyone who's need it can is accepted. Go, you go, and then you know the door they open. So that is the only shelter we have in the United States of America, the only one. Wow. And it's in really? Detroit. Yeah, it's in Detroit. Wow. That is the only sh- one shelter which can provide everything, like full package, mm-hmm. what you need to start new life in the United States. That's why I'm proud of yeah. being part of of, of uh, Freedom House, and that goes back to the the you know as a beacon of hope the United yeah. States is, and this Ab- is the only place that absolutely it's crazy, absolutely because you know it's a it's a place where you see someone for the first time is coming, and then after just two months, that person has changed, he has a smile, he has a hope, he has a project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing place. There's a sense that uh, this is going on a different path, but um, the idea of almost like what you just said, there's a smile all of a sudden. Like they've come from, they've come from nothing. Yeah. They have nothing, yeah. and now they're able to go somewhere and um, they have something. Mm-hmm. And there's this idea that you know, with, even if it's like a universal basic income or something like that, if someone who's poor is given money, they will make the right decisions to make themselves better. Yeah, and, and um, I, I think it's an overlooked fact many times that people are like people will think that well, if you give them money they're going to do something frivolous with it that's not the case it's not like i want to i want to highlight something here is uh coming as a refugee in this country is a huge opportunity is a huge privilege because millions of people they are in the refugee camp they are getting stuck there and then when you're coming here 
you have on your shoulder the responsibility to make survive all your family back home. You have to send every month some money. Other way they're going to die. So you are carrying the hope of many people back. So you don't, when, when I feel so bad when you don't give a chance for a refugee to come in the United States and start working because I'm sure that he's going to work hard because he has a very good, a big responsibility. He don't, he don't have any, any chance to not succeed. No, because the responsibility is, is, is big. So, and then that is people don't understand. Like when you say like, all, all refugee are criminal or all immigrants are criminal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're like, what's you're talking about? Have you ever met them before? Have you ever talked to them? I think this is where we we need to have this serious conversation without blaming each other. Let's talk about, tell me an example of a refugee or immigrant we have ever seen who's doing this. Mm-hmm. This is a refugee and immigrant who has who are doing better, you know. Because I'm talking something I know. This is me. This is what I'm doing. I have to succeed this because I have a huge responsibility because all eyes on me I have to make it you know I don't have I don't have a time to do stupid thing because you can't I can't yeah you know another thing I want to highlight is like after I remember when you after freedom house you have to start new life and then the most painful is to have a car have insurance, and then at that time your insurance is triple than you guys. Mm-hmm. Why are we getting punished to start a new life? Mm-hmm. And then you have numbers who shows you how good and then how refugees are doing better, mm-hmm. no criminal, no anything, but you're still punishing them. How are they going to make it? So that means you want them to not having insurance, then you can punish them. That is what I see. And then, but we still, we do it. We have, we set our life, we set a new life. After three, four day, four years, you see someone is in another level. And then you, what is a secret? Because we know what we want. You know, this for us is a huge opportunity. It's not something we will take for granted. Right. No. So let's talk about the, the, the restaurant. So you said you're from the restaurant industry back in Burundi mm-hmm. versus the restaurant industry here. So there's this sense of there's an over, like an abundance of food here, right? So you're, you're going to build out this restaurant. You're going to have to create a menu. Yeah. You're going to have access. I mean, you're going to pay for it, of course, to the raw materials, but there's an access to any number of foods across any type, you know, ethnic, ethnic, ethnicities, um, Fresh produce, frozen produce, meat, anything you need, right? Contrast that to what you had to work with in Burundi in a restaurant there. So first, uh, I want to say like here, there is a fake image that there is a lot of food. And then behind that curtain, there is no food because food has to be clean, has to be good, has to be healthy. Uh Uh-huh. That is one. When I'm talking about how sugar is expensive in Burundi, it's not something you eat every day. Mm-hmm. Coca-Cola is not something you eat every day. It's you, you, sorry, you drink every day. You drink it on plan. It's once a month, you know, because it's not affordable. Mm-hmm. So when you come here and then you find like, but there is a very good food. People think they are lazy to go to cook or to find that good food or is a bad money. So I'm trying to, I'm struggle to understand why the value of food is so cheap in this country. It's a, it's a thing. And people don't want to spend a lot. So that <coughs> hinders restaurants too. Cause aren't, don't we have some of the lowest cost of food in like the developed world? Uh, well, I mean, th- there's a sense that, uh, I mean, th- these kind of giant corporations, that control a lot of the the food systems. Um, like they're able to, to push down. Well, not even not not even going that far. Like even like a fast food and mm-hmm. um, processed food. It, it's easier. I mean, <laughs> we're going down a path of like this kind of circular argument of like. So if people don't eat healthy, they they 
they, they're forced into a healthcare system that doesn't want to take care of them anyway, that is expensive. So yeah. the, the cost of eating processed food is magnified by the fact that you have to go into healthcare. Yeah. And, and like this, um, and, and you know, you go to high school or grade school or whatever, no one's ever taught how to cook for the most home Mac is like kind of on, on, on the way. I don't know if it's coming back, but that's one of a life. That's a life skill that hardly anyone learns. So, yeah, as I say, like, I'm trying to understand, you know, that is in three years, uh, setting up like this business. I'm trying to understand the system, like food industry, but sometimes I say, no, this is, this is not me. I don't want to do this because this is not mm-hmm. who I am. You know, this is how I'm getting like, um, fighting with people who are trying to help me. Like, Hey, you have to do this. I say, no, I cannot do this because I don't think that this is how it should be. You know, example, when you, at one time at our apartment, we was, I was just coming and then one guy was, our neighbor was coming and say, hey, it smells good here. It seems to me like you guys, you cook every day. I was like, what you mean by cooking every day? And I was like, I asked my wife, like, what you mean? So you don't cook every day? So how you live? How you... Are you an angel? <laughs> you don't eat? And then I was no, it's not like that. No, people don't cook every day. Like here is they grab something outside and mm-hmm. they eat mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. it. Ah, I understood. Okay. Which which dovetails to what you just said is that kind of putting the training on the schools, I think it kind of comes back to what you said as the parents. Yeah. You know, our parents teaching their kids to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad who cooked every day of my life. Even I didn't get probably as much exposure as I should, probably because I, I neglected it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what a, a treat it was that my dad did cook every day. But I, I don't think a lot of kids have get that. I don't think a lot of kids have access to that. Oh, no, because the amount of work that parents have to do to, to even make ends meet. Yeah. Um, and so, like, my, my mom cooked every day, too, but she never taught us because right. I grew up in a, in a household where, you know, dad worked, mom cooked, and since I was a, a male, mm, um, expected to work, not cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but you know, that said, if my high school taught me cooking instead of calculus, I've never once used calculus in my life. But I took calculus through three years of high school. Um, I would have been better off learning how to cook. Took three years of calculus. Yeah. Wow. I don't know why. You're smart. Well, two years of calculus in high school, one year and one in college. Okay. I, I don't know why. Hmm. In retrospect, I mean, this is the point that like it, it, the priorities are kind of messed up, yeah, right. So the, as I say, like that image of because eating is very very is fast things on human being body like eat is fast, not calculus. Yeah, <laughs> you know, other things they come after. Yeah, so you have to focus on that, and then if that is not what have to be like, have to be priority. So we are faking. We are lying on on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I understood. Like, you have to make it happen. Another thing is like the costs in what we are doing is not on our food. It's mm-hmm. on our tables mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. equipment, uh, utilities, mm-hmm. and it's not People. there. Mm-hmm. People is not there, mm-hmm. which is different. Yeah. The very the best the good restaurant in Burundi. They are not fancy. They are the one who you find in the wood where people sit outside. Those are best. Mm. Those are popular. If I want to take you to the best, you say, I want to eat a very good food in Burundi. I will take you in a place where you're going to take your food. You're going to eat um, by, you know, I don't know. You don't going to get even where to stay. That mm. is my understanding when I came here. It's like. No, I, I'm on board for that. Let's yeah. do that. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> but here is different. Yeah. You know, like you, I remember my mom, she used to cook something and then you you couldn't ask her what time are you, are you, are you closing? She closed when the cook is over. Yeah. And you eat when it's ready. You, yeah. yeah. So she cooked from morning and then at noon, 11 or 1230, the cook is over, she's going to close next day. So she doesn't have the time to, and then people know that they have to go there. So how how is this going to 
color the restaurant that you're going to open in Detroit. Exactly. So we have to mix. We have to be in a in a. We have to be informed. So we have we have to bring what we have and then what we have learned here uh-huh. and then to combine both and then to be on not American like, but the food gonna be authentic. The same food we eat home, the same way we cook home. Because when people ask me like, can you cook for fifty people? I that is two families in Africa. <laughs> that is nothing. Yeah. Like cooking for fifty people, that is two families. My cousin and that's it. Yeah. So you know, that is not a big deal for me to cook for hundred people. Uh-huh. That is for family. Uh-huh. It, yeah. It, and then people like that is why I want to make the same way we cook home, like authenticity. And then we're not combine combine like the Detroit vibe. Mm-hmm. And African ambience inside we, as our building on six five six six uh, six five six eight Woodward, the ceiling gonna stay, the flooring gonna stay, but the interior design we're gonna bring some color, colorful for for some design. We are we are so grateful and thank you for Rosetti, our architect, to mm-hmm. make uh, this amazing um, drawing. So. We're gonna combine. So when you got you are inside, you wanna feel like you are in Detroit, but in Africa. Yeah. When do you have a projected open? Like when do you want to open by? So we, if everything goes well, we are planning to open by September. September. Yeah. Um, you wanted to ask a question about. We can ask ba- it later. I was, bana- banana beer. Well, I'm just I'm just always curious about beverages. We can <laughs> ask later. <laughs> yeah. No. So pr- Primus is that. Primus is the big beer, right? Are you yeah, a drinker? Primus. No, no I'm not a drinker, but uh, okay. all my friends, my, my cousin, they're a drinker. Uh-huh. Primus is, Primus is uh, Amstel and Primus is the the best. The best? Yeah. Okay. But it's t- different. So it's uh, Amstel is from capital, Bujumbura. Primus is for up countries. Okay. Because Primus, you can drink it when it's not, it's fine to drink it when it's not cold. Yes. Up countries, yeah. they don't have like free, yep, they, yep. they can eat. Amstel is good when you drink it when it's cold. That's why it's better, like in um, capi like Bujumbura, where people like Am- Amstel. Yeah. Okay. And, and banana beer? What's a that's like homebrew, right? Home like homemade beer. Yeah, banana beer is very common, like everywhere. They make banana beers, and we have banana beer and juice be uh, banana juice. So yeah, it's it's very very popular. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know zero about many of the African continent of what they drink. Uh-huh. So I was just super curious about yeah. that. Yeah. So that's why you are like in our dishes we have like plantains, sweet plantains, uh-huh. uh peas, uh, potatoes, yeah. Because banana is everywhere. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So September is the date. You're trying try you're gonna shoot for September to, to open. Yeah, Best crossing of luck on figures. That. Uh so if people want to find you online, where do they go? Baobaofair.com. Okay. Oh Baobaofair. Um, our social media is Bao Bao Fair Facebook on Facebook Bao Bao Fair on uh, Instagram and that's B-A-O-B-O-B-F-A-R-E yep yeah alright yeah. and thank you for letting us eat in front of you during Ramadan <laughs> no 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 it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a pleasure the yeah. only thing I was I didn't even try that to see if the, the salt was was enough it's perfect it's, it's, it's good? really good yeah, yeah. yeah. it was thank wonderful you. yeah Mamba thank you so much for being so, with thank us you, Nick, thank you thank you yeah. thank you so much for uh, having me until next time dine well friends